0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of hot stove for 2021. I'm Rick Riz along with Gary Hill and the hot stove Gary is really heating up here in the month of February. The equipment truck loaded up last week and headed south to sunny Peoria, Arizona. And one week from tomorrow, pitchers and catchers report to the Valley of the Sun for another spring training. Tonight we're going to have a chance to visit with Mariners Assistant GM and Vice President of Baseball Operations Justin Hollander. Along with other special guests, we'll visit with Mariners infielder, outfielder Dylan Moore had a breakout year last year. We'll also visit with Mariners Director of International amateur scouting, Frankie Thon Jr. We'll also have a visit with uh, the play-by-play voice on radio for the Houston Astros, Steve Sparks. Always fun to visit with Sparky. And we'll also have our weekly chat with the one and only Shannon Dreyer. Gary, the forecast for the rest of the week here in the Pacific Northwest calls for some chilly temperatures and even maybe a little bit later on in the week, some snow. But right now, I'm starting to warm up just thinking about the start of another spring.
2: At least we have a little sunshine today. That's not yeah. too bad as we I sat here at the ballpark earlier today. The sun was out, which was nice. But, yeah, it's going to be a little warmer down south when we get there. And that that's getting closer and closer, right? Just a handful of days away. Can't wait. Are your bags packed and ready to go? Yeah, my, my bags are gone. They're there. They're waiting for me. <laughs> I tell you what, there's going to be so many
1: great stories that we'll talk about you know, those stories with Justin Hollander. But, you know, yeah. you get so pumped up at this time of the year. You can't wait to get down there and start to visit with the guys and and talk about, uh, you know, how that ball club is going to look like this year after the 2020 season.
2: Yeah, a lot of challenges, too, to begin. And we'll talk a little bit about that with Justin is, you know, just – organizationally, there's so much work, especially for this year. I mean, there's always work that goes into getting spring training going and getting things ready and organized, but even more so this year with all the protocols and everything else. Just so much work going into it, and it'll be interesting to hear uh, Justin talk about that, but you know, we are able to do it last year, get through mm-hmm. 60, and uh, the hope is, fingers crossed, as we move through this season, the the conditions all around us for for all of us in real life get better and better and better as we move through this thing, and I don't know, we'll see what uh, we'll see what the summer has in store for us. Yeah, hopefully everybody stays safe and healthy. Yeah. We
1: have a full 162 schedule here in 2021. So Gary and I are getting ready for spring training. We're going to get you ready too, because we're going to visit coming up with Assistant GM Justin Hollander. We'll talk about what what. what the 2021 Mariners are going to look like this year. Hot Stove continues right after this timeout. And welcome back to our first hour of Hot Stove with our very special guest, Mariners Assistant GM Justin Hollander and Vice President of Baseball Operations. Justin, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. We've got an exciting few weeks coming up here getting ready for spring training.
0: I can't wait. I'm so excited. It feels like the (laughs) offseason went by in a blink, and I'm so excited hopefully to, to get to camp starting next week.
1: So when do you pack your bags and when do you get down there? And uh, tell us a little bit about the protocols for everybody, everybody in the front office and especially the players to stay safe uh, this spring.
0: So obviously, I think everyone knows that gonna be much stricter protocols than we would normally have for a spring training. I, uh, I'm packing my bags on Sunday. Uh, I think I have the first flight out on Monday morning. Uh, really excited to get down to Arizona. Uh, once we get there, everybody will go through uh, an intake. They'll take two different COVID tests uh, and then they'll go home. And we'll sit and we'll wait until we clear. Hopefully, everyone clears by the 17th, which is our first day on the field uh, for pitchers and catchers. Uh, And then once we get there, obviously, it'll be a a smaller group than normal in terms of staff around, a bigger group than normal for players. Uh, When we're at full capacity, we'll have 75 players in camp. Uh, That's the MLB limit this year. And then we'll have 75 staff members as well, uh, which sounds like a lot. But when you start thinking about how many you usually have, it's much, much greater than 75. I'd say it's closer to 100, 125 on a normal year. So we've had to make some changes and cut down on some auxiliary staff members and just make sure that, you know, we're keeping it as safe as possible to limit everyone's exposure and try and get through camp as best we can.
2: Without, you know, we see in games all the time, minor leaguers come over and play in the ball games. How do you think that's going to affect things as we move through spring on the field?
0: Uh, I think one of the biggest changes, we're not going to have split squads this year. Um, and obviously those are the days when you see 30 or 35 mm-hmm. minor league players come over uh, and you know, your regulars play two or three innings each game and then you, you split off and you have some of your young, exciting prospects finish the game. We just won't have that this yeah. year. There is no minor league camp going at the same time. So minor league camp is you know probably going to start sometime in early April uh, after major league camp ends when the big league season starts. So we'll just proceed with you know one bigger group of 75. Typically we've had... 63 64 65 players so we've built a little buffer with 10 or so extra players to help us get through the days where you're back-to-back days mm-hmm. and somebody fouled a ball off their foot or somebody's hamstrings yeah. barking or somebody's a little sore just to give us enough bodies to get through the camp
1: justin you just talked about you know what it's going to be like when you guys get down to peoria arizona to get ready for spring training 2021 tell the fans what it's been like over the last three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks to get ready for spring training, to get the guys that you want uh, down there at spring training to take a look at what your ball club is going to look like this year? A
0: lot lot of work. A lot of planning, a lot of contingency planning, and contingencies for contingencies. We weren't really sure uh, up until the last couple days what the protocols were going to look like, what the limits would be, and really what the season would look like, both at the major league level and the minor league level. Um, So Jerry is as prepared as anyone, and Mm -hmm. he's had three or four different series of rosters, depending on if we have just the big leagues in an alternate site, if we have the big leagues in AAA, if we have all the full season baseball rosters, how we want to make sure we get the appropriate development spread out for all of our players because it's not just the big league team. It's not just those 26 players. It's obviously your 40-man roster and then the other 150 players in your minor league system that you're, you're trying to do the right thing for and you're trying to best prepare them For not only this season but the rest of their career so we've we've been planning a lot uh obviously still free agency is ongoing it was a later market this year a slower market than normal so on top of the spring training protocols this is usually a time of year where i kick my feet up and enjoy my family sorry (laughs) that that didn't happen (laughs) this year uh you know we've been going roughly since the season ended with some form of off-season planning and 2021 planning, and, and we're still doing it today. You talk about the development and the complication, of course. is last year, you
2: have a number of guys that were didn't take the field in in you know a, a game way. How do you go about thinking about that, and where you assign guys, and just
0: the mechanics of that when you're thinking big picture in development? There are no right answers, and that's yeah. one thing that's been hard for a lot of us to to struggle through: is our our experience and our intuition. In this area, we're almost we're flying blind a little bit because nobody's ever experienced what we experienced last year, which is just no minor league season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how we approach development with what is a huge part of our future with Jared Kelnick, with Julio Rodriguez, with George Kirby, or Logan Gilbert, one, trying to make sure that they are developed properly so that when they get to the big leagues, they're in a position to succeed. Uh, and two, also for the pitchers, making sure that we don't break them. Um, you know, yeah. we, we, It's something that we have to deal with all over the system last year is coming to grips with the fact that if – Logan Gilbert through 30 innings last year and George Kirby through 10 through 10 innings last year you can't really pile on 140 innings to those guys this yeah. year in a responsible way and think that's a good long-term decision for them so that has been a big part of our focus this year both with our high performance group our medical and strength and conditioning people as well as our, our pitching coordinators and pitching strategists is just to make sure that we're being very measured and careful because these guys are our future and we have to be responsible with their development
1: Visiting with Mariners' assistant GM, Justin Hollander. Justin, when that 2020 season ended, it was uh, one of the most unbelievable years in the history of Major League Baseball because of COVID-19, a 60-game season. When the season was over, there were some really positive things. You know, Kyle Lewis, American League Rookie of the Year, and a couple Gold Glove winners, and J.P. Crawford, and Evan White, and Dylan Moore had a heck of a year. When the season was over, what was the... Number one thing on your checklist for you, Jerry, and the guys in the front office and ladies, uh, to to get ready for spring training 2021.
0: That's a great question. Um, I think the biggest thing was continue the ascent that we thought we made last year. We don't want st- to we don't want to go backwards. We want to keep going forward. I think if you had laid out all the things that happened between September of 2018 and October of 2020 everything in terms of our rebuild went about as well as you could have hoped we made some really good trades we think to add young talent to the system we had some internal surprises some some guys who were maybe better than we thought or ran with an opportunity and stepped up maybe faster than we thought um some nice free agent additions like dylan moore signing on a uh, as a minor league free agent on a major league deal yeah. austin nola who was a great piece of what we we're doing and we we're able to, to trade and turn into to four players like those are all really positive developments for the long term of the Mariners making sure that we made this opportunity about conti- or this offseason about continuing the opportunities uh to take advantage of the opportunities that we'd really done a great job of you know in the draft in free agency in international free agency in team building and roster building so we really just didn't want to leave food on the table uh for lack of a better way of saying it
2: this is kind of in the weeds, but I've been thinking about this. Dylan Moore is a great example. It seems like the last few years, as this process has gone on, you've always left a room on the 40-man at some point for players like Dylan Moore to see if they'll run with an opportunity. And, hey, look at what you have. I mean, that gets a little more tricky, right, as you accumulate talent onto the 40-man. And all of a sudden, you're, you're making really difficult decisions, which is where you want to be, frankly. But uh, how do you think about... Leaving room for opportunity, guys like Dylan Moore moving forward as this process continues and the forty man really
0: starts to burst. Forty man bursting is a good problem to have. Um, You know, I think the best teams in the league are are often the most talented and the deepest. It requires a lot of talent, not just your starting lineup, to get through a hundred and sixty two game season and then what we hope is playoffs and World Series eventually. I don't really believe that you you can block opportunity. The best players tend to rise, mm-hmm. but I do think you know innings and at-bats are the most valuable thing we can provide players and being cognizant that if we believe in someone, we have to carve out some sort of role for them to get those innings and at-bats. As you remember, Dylan Moore uh, was late to summer camp last mm-hmm. year, only really played for three or four days before the season started, mm-hmm. and it didn't play right away once we got into the season. He was still building up strength, and his ascent last year is a product of his own hard work, his own talent, and also the opportunity that we were able to give him. Um, we're going to enter a phase at some point where those opportunities become less. I think that's this year. Um, the bar will just keep getting higher and higher and higher and higher. I don't think there is a right answer from, you know, a 26 man roster, how to, how to design opportunity, but each individual player, uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about what is their, their present role, what's their upside and how we can help them achieve that upside. Um, It's a little different for everybody. Dylan's a great example. His opportunity came because he's so versatile. He can do anything on the field. That allows us as an organization to be free to do a number of different things at different spots. Because if you have an everyday second baseman, Dylan can go play the outfield or he can play shortstop or third base. Roughly, he can do anything but catch. So it just gives you like his own opportunity is not solely dependent on being able to stand in one spot. That's an unbelievable luxury for a team like us. Seems like
1: uh, guys are starting to fill in in other positions right now. Uh, Dylan Rand, he's, by the way, he's going to be our guest uh, later on in the program uh, tonight. And, and just what a tremendous kid, you know, growing up in Southern California. I, is he going to have a home, maybe a little bit steadier home at second base uh, this year and kind of run with that or still kind of move around when, when you need him?
0: Uh, I think it's probably TBD. Uh, I think in a perfect world, you'd be so talented at every spot that you would just give Dylan the spot at second or at in left field or at shortstop and on a different team that didn't have a Gold Glover at shortstop and say, Dylan, you run with it. Um, the fact that he can do everything again, just you know, somebody needs an off day. Dylan can go do that thing. I think you'll still see him move around the field. I do think he'll play more second this coming year than he's played in previous years. I
2: was thinking about your role and how you know it's nonstop, really. It- through the course of the year, you, you've got so much going on—the draft, you know, the season. The uh, what's your favorite
0: part of the baseball calendar? The draft, uh, by far. Uh, everybody that works with me knows I'm a huge draft nerd. Uh, <laughs> I love the draft. Um, I've always loved the draft, and it's probably a byproduct of how I came into baseball. I, I started with the Angels in 08. That was my first draft. I wasn't super involved, and we didn't have a pick forever. Tyler Chatwood was our first dra- or our first pick that year, but I believe he's a third rounder for us. My second year was 09. Um and we took Mike Trout and Garrett Richards and Patrick Horman that year. <laughs> That's so that was uh, a
2: pretty good year. Really good uh, and
0: Randall Gritchick and you just you get a little spoiled with this is fun. We get to add all these new players. <laughs> yeah. You uh, took
1: Grichik ahead of Trout. We right? did. Uh, we did.
0: Uh and Randall's a good player. He sort of gets unfairly worn out because he got taken in front of Trout. Randall's yeah. a good player. By but one uh, one spot. Uh, but uh he uh, uh the draft is draft is hope. The draft is about dreaming, it's it's organizational building it's closing your eyes and imagining what it could look like five years from now if everything you hope this player is you know believes it and people will know i'm, I'm a bit of a lunatic we'll be in the eighth round that i'm i'm dialed in like the odds of any eighth rounder becoming anything are very low but again these are opportunities it's opportunities yeah. to create value in your organization either for your own organization or as trade assets uh i love the draft i i would sit in the draft room for two months if they allow <laughs> two months for the draft meetings <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love the draft and I love trades. I remember I went to the Winter League uh, meetings, um, Winter Meetings one year in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I think it was 1976, and Bill Vek, of the Chicago White Sox, put a folding chair, a card ta- table, and a folding chair in the lobby of the hotel, and he had a little sign open for business. And everybody just came into him. You guys made a heck of a deal during the season with the San Diego Padres last year to acquire a lot of talent. Ty France really did a heck of a job in the second half of the season for the Mariners. And Luis Terenz got a lot of playing time with Tom Murphy Hurt and also Taylor Trammell, a very talented young outfielder. And Andres Munoz, kid coming off Tommy John surgery, throwing 100 miles an hour, made his debut a few years ago with the Padres. Tell us a little bit about that, that to trade and what it does for your ball club.
0: Are you a little surprised that Jerry hasn't set up a card table in front of our <laughs> <laughs> meetings? <laughs> Not uh, a bad idea. To put up the sign? Come on, let's uh, trade. A virtual card table. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, Andres, really excited about, obviously. That trade um, was one of the more unusual ones that I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, AJ Prowler and the rest of the Padres front office was really persistent about wanting to find a way to get a deal done. And we just we kept saying, no, 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 um, because of what NOLA meant. Both on, on the field production and off the field makeup and, and clubhouse gravitas yeah. and you know he stands for a lot of the things that we believe in in terms of work ethic and preparation mm. um, and they were just incredibly persistent and finally you know put enough pieces on the table that we felt like we had to do the right thing for the organization you know I my own biases aside I didn't want, I didn't want to do it until it got to a certain point where it's like okay now I'm objectively <laughs> like we have to do we we have to consider this um, and once we did start considering it once we told them okay now we'll talk about it. it came together fairly quickly um but it, it took a while to get us there because of of how much we love nola and how much he brought to the table yeah. in terms of andres a uh, huge upside i mean i think people forget how young he is he's just 22 uh he debuted at 20 um we're hopeful that you know come june or so he'll be uh, fully recovered from tommy john and back on the mound uh at t-mobile uh and you you can put any number you want on his upside in terms mm-hmm. of you know what his ultimate ceiling yeah. would be he throws 100, 102. He's touched 104 before. He's got a, a wicked slider. Um, he's He has every characteristic you want from a, a wipeout dominant closer. Um, and to be able to get him uh, in this type of deal, it was, again, a cherry on top and just couldn't say no. This is probably an impossible question. How often,
2: when you engage another team on a trade, how often, like, what percentage
0: do those actually go through to the finish line? Like, 00001 percent, percent like everybody makes fun of me because I have hundreds of ideas written on my whiteboard <laughs> or I'm emailing people in our slack channel about different ideas and they uh, I always think they're good you know inevitably when you call the other team you get now nah, we didn't do that <laughs> <laughs> um, and as you know like you know we're very active traders yeah. uh, so think how many ideas that must take relative to the the rest of the league um, I it, it's a fun part of the game um, you do want to be responsible you don't want to trade to trade mm-hmm. um, that makes you feel important as the front office person i don't know that you're always doing the right thing for the organization mm-hmm. just by making moves to make moves and we're really yeah. cognizant of that we do want to create stability long term we do think we have a group of players that we're, we're growing with that are going to be here for a long time um Gold Glovers, guys who are in their early to mid-20s. Uh, we want people in Seattle to, to grow up and be accustomed to, you know, I bought my Evan White jersey and I'm going to wear my Evan White jersey mm-hmm. for the next decade. Um, Marco Gonzalez, is he's the guy who pitches opening day. Uh, he's our ace. And I, I think that's important um, from a, a fan-building perspective. I also think it's important from a team-building perspective um, that you have consistency in your messaging, yeah. that you have leaders that grow up and understand what the expectations are um, from the organization and can be the... voices as opposed to it being jerry or myself or scott service and the coaching staff i think you need players who buy into what you do and are here and believe that they're going to be here
1: yeah you got a lot of players right now who actually really really believe that i want to talk to you about a couple of kids that you traded for over the last couple of seasons uh justice sheffield coming over from the yankees and the james paxton trade and also justin dunn two key components in that starting rotation you know behind marco gonzalez who who leads the way and we saw a lot from justice sheffield and then Justin Dunn had that stretch where I don't think anybody was better than Justin over three starts You know, in the American League last year, where he had six scoreless innings, not once but twice, with giving up only one hit. Uh, what's it like for you and Jerry to, to see those kids come over from another organization? You throw your philosophy and your work ethic. They already have a work ethic, but you see their progress and do what they did last year, knowing that they're going to they're gonna be here for a long time. What's that like for you?
0: I couldn't have been happier for justice Uh, coming off of the struggles he had and the previous season. I think he felt the burden of I'm replacing James Paxton Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways in in 19 and for him to come out and do what he did and add the two seamer and and really just the confidence, the swagger. um, He's, over-the-top competitor Um, just watch what he did and how he grew last year was it was awesome i've never been a part of something like this with young players before we never did it when i was in anaheim and we hadn't done it when i got to seattle either so to see young players mature and grow uh is is really fun uh, I think Justin is kind of in the place where Justice was uh, two years yeah. ago. Like Justice had the struggles in, in 19 and really took his game to the next level. Um, he saw what the big leagues was about. He made some changes and then went and attacked the league and showed them that I'm good enough. You know, Justin navigated really well last year. He showed that he's a competitor and that he wants to compete even without his best stuff, even without his best command. Uh, And I think you'll see a much better, uh, more equipped version of Justin Dunn to go out and compete in the big leagues this year.
1: Visiting with assistant GM Justin Hollander here on Hot Stove. We'll be back with more with Justin as Hot Stove continues right after these messages. And again, welcome back to Hot Stove 2021. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill visiting with Mariners Assistant General Manager Justin Hollander. And uh, Justin, we talked about uh, some young pitchers in that starting rotation. Again, let's go back to the rotation. Uh, it's great to have a, uh, an ace on your staff like Marco Gonzalez, who was one of the best in the American League uh, last season, 7-2-11 and 2 and 11 in starts. He just knows how to pitch. He is a bulldog. He's from Gonzaga. I want to talk to you, though, about the young man who you acquired uh, from the Korean Baseball League last year, Chris Flexen. What can you tell us about Chris, and what he, does he bring the organization right now?
0: Sure, absolutely. Uh, Marco, way underrated, by the way, yeah. league-wide. I, I don't understand why Marco doesn't get talked about in the company. Like he's, he's doing it year over year over year. He's one of the best pitchers in the American League, and, and people consistently leave him out of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I know maybe it's because he throws 89, 90 miles an right. hour, but he, he gets you out. Absolutely (laughs) deserves to be in that conversation. Um, On flex, uh, one of the priority guys for us this offseason, a guy that we targeted very early in the offseason, it wasn't an accident that he ended up in Seattle. Um, He's just 26 years old. That was really important to us. Uh, When we're building a young team, we wanted to acquire, if we're going to acquire free agents, acquire free agents that could grow up with us, uh, that that were in the general age demographic of our own players, that we felt like had some upside to tap into. Um, Chris had been a, a younger debut in the big leagues with the Mets. Uh, always throwing strikes, always had good stuff uh, in the minor leagues and got to the big leagues and had a hiccup. Um, it happens to young players. He came straight from AA. Um, and we were excited uh, to see that he was available in that market. And in, in Korea, he'd gone and made some changes to even enhance the pitch qualities that we'd already seen. He threw a ton of strikes. He had really good secondary stuff. He threw a ton of strikes with his secondary stuff. And we also felt like there was some untapped upside and maybe some pitch usage changes that we would make. Uh, He did a great job over there. He was by far the best pitcher in the league last year. Again, it's not an easy place to pitch all the time. And he was, you know, just 26 years old to be able to get him on a multi-year deal uh, at what we thought was a fair rate. Um, It seemed like a no-brainer for us early in the offseason to do that.
2: I'm glad you started with Marco, and I'm glad you said what you said about him. I... I was disappointed he didn't end up getting Cy Young votes last year. I, I thought the award was pretty clear-cut who would win it. But after that, I mean, there was a pile of guys that had really good seasons, and Marco was in that mix. He just continues to get better and better. He's
0: been so effective. In your view, what makes him so good? I think he knows who he is. Uh, his belief in himself is you know, top of the scale. He knows exactly what he can do uh, and what he can execute, and then he goes and does it. Um, and if he doesn't execute, he gets mad at himself and <laughs> executes, it, executes it on the next pitch. Um, I, I think Marco's a great example. Like If I offered you two the chance to take either a true-false test or a multiple-choice mm-hmm. test, I would hope you guys would take the true-false test. It's just easier. You only have two <laughs> options. When you're a hitter in the box, every, every pitch is a multiple-choice test for Marco because they know he can throw any pitch in any count. He can land yep. any pitch in any spot in the zone. He is one of the best versions of a player who knows exactly what he's good at and executes it over and over and over again. And he does it every time. Um, He is so relentless in his preparation. Um, He studies what he does well and what the other team doesn't do well, as well as anybody we have. Um, Again, his preparation is just off the charts and his ability to carry into a game is off the charts. And, you know, Combine all that with what I think is an elite competitor um, and someone who just his will to win is great. And that's the, the results are what yeah. you see. And again, I just think he's so underrated league wide. People, uh, Marco Gonzalez, like, yeah, he's a four starter. You are out of your mind oh. if you think Marco Gonzalez <laughs> is a four starter. <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's a number one starter in the exactly. Big leagues. It is, it, is in, it is insane how underrated he is. I've been um, thinking about probably. it too with,
2: with a pitcher like Marco, a prep guy like Marco. This has to be a golden age, given how much information that he can acquire about himself
0: and about the opponents he's facing, too. Because there's so m- we've never had more information. I, I think what what's been the coolest thing to see since we acquired Marco is the changes that Marco's made. You know, he came here and he was a three pitch guy primarily, four seam, uh, and then a, a curveball and a changeup. And the changeup was his standout pitch and really his go to pitch. Now he's got the four-seam and the two-seam. He's got the cutter. Uh, he throws the curveball. He throws the change-up. He can make the ball move in a bunch of different directions. He can pitch to a bunch of different parts of the plate. And he's really evolved uh, since he came here. And that's through, I would like to think, some of the suggestions and coaching that we've given him and also through his, his sheer desire and will. Um, he will do anything to beat the guy in the batter's box, mm, yeah. uh, and he's constantly challenging himself to come up with something new to pitch to a part of the plate in that he didn't previously pitch to, to add depth to a curveball, uh, to make a changeup move a little more, have a little more fade. Like he just, it's it's such a great example of what oh, an elite competitor can do when they put their mind to it, and uh, I just think it's it's so fun to watch him just carve every five mm. or six days.
1: I love this kid. I love his demeanor, and I love the fact he's willing to share that information because I heard that. Some young pitchers like Sheffield and Dunn would go in there in the meeting, the pregame meeting with uh, Marco on the day that he pitched. So he was willing to share that information for the young players. I want to talk to you about uh, a couple of guys that, uh, man, I really felt for the last few years. Uh, Mitch Hanniger was out the last few years with three surgeries. Uh, when he was in the lineup, he was the best player in the ball club, and all-star in 2018. And also Tom Murphy. Nobody works harder than this guy, is stronger than this guy mentally, physically, broken foot last year at summer camp and missed all of last season. What's it like to get these two guys Back uh, behind home plate and also out there in the right field.
0: Huge additions, huge additions on the field. Huge additions in our clubhouse. Um, you know, Mitch is our best player uh, when he's healthy. Um, he's one of the best players in the American League when he's healthy, yeah. um, and we think he's finally there. Um, just talking to our hitting coaches about how Mitch looks right now in the off season. He looks physically great. His swing look his swing look great. I know he's probably like ready to break through a wall after having missed so much time over the last couple of years. Sometimes um, you might have to pump the
1: brakes. Sometimes
0: <laughs> agreed. Uh, and that that is a, a small concern for us yes. is that he's going to be out there on day one of spring training ready to ready to scale the wall uh, and and just attack the baseball because it's just been so long. But uh, he's an all star. He's our he's our best player uh, when he's healthy, and we have every expectation that he's going to be this year uh, on Murph you know, not only the value you see on the field from Murph, which is, you know, he's, he's got real power. He can really catch. He can throw. Um, he helps lengthen our lineup. I think what people don't see is, you know, just what we touched on with Marco, the preparation. Uh, Murph's the best I've ever been around about preparing, coming into a, a pre-series meeting with a starter or with the entire staff and having a game plan for each guy and being able to carry it into a game. He really buys in to the resources that we have he brings them to life for the pitchers um and he makes them stick with it in the game uh and that's you know there's just a ton of intangible value in what murph brings to the the table and i think you know murph's another guy we talked about dylan Moore earlier murph never really had opportunity when he was in colorado and then obviously his brief stop in san francisco i think we've helped murph a little bit we didn't do a lot more than just give Murph opportunity to be himself and to go go be a good player. He was, you know, I'd love to give us like magic pixie dust to go make all guys a lot better. <laughs> like we just believed in the skill set he already had and helped try to help enhance it a little bit. He has taken the opportunity and run with it. He's a he's a really valuable player on and off the field. What are you most excited about in 2021? Our young players, you know, young players are so much fun uh, when you have them. And this is not a shot at older players or free agents. But when you grow up watching a player, when there's a, a player that you see from the first day they walked in the big leagues to the time they become a star, and I, I can use Kyle Lewis as the the latest example. Um, when you see Kyle Lewis come to the big leagues and hit his first home run uh, in the big leagues, and his parents are in the crowd and they're going crazy, and then you see Kyle Lewis, like all-star quality player last year, uh, and you get to see them continue to grow up and mature and become fan favorites, and you know become the mature versions of themselves in their prime. Like I think we're going to see a lot of that around the diamond over the next couple of years. That's what I'm most excited about. Steps forward for justice and Kalu and um, Justin Dunn, and seeing Logan Gilbert and hopefully Jared Kelnick debut this year. Like. That's the sort of thing I think we haven't had over time here is this like continuity with young chance to be superstar type players and we believe in all of those guys have you know, with that kind of ceiling. So I think I'm just really excited to watch them all grow up in front of our eyes.
1: Yeah, that's what I love about this organization, what Jerry and you and everybody in front office has done. You've taken this farm system to make it one of the best in all the baseball and now we're seeing these kids get here. Evan White, a gold glove last year. We're gonna see him hit. He made the jump from double A to the big leagues. But you mentioned Kelnick and Rodriguez and Novi Marte and Logan Gilbert and and the list goes on and on and on and George Kirby and many many others. Uh, there, there's way another wave coming and there's another wave after that i mean how exciting is that
0: it's great and honestly it's, it's what it should be you know this year when we had you know depending on the list five or six or seven top hundred prospects um you know my message was this is great it should be this every year like there's no excuse for us not developing that kind of talent year in and year out that's my expectation for how we draft, how we develop, how we trade, um, how we take care of our, our, you know, our future. We have yeah. to do that here. And, you know, so much of bad decision making is becoming undisciplined, getting away from your your pillars. And our pillars are going to be young players. That That's what we're going to be about is developing and cultivating our own talent, bringing them to the big leagues and watching them flourish in the big leagues. You know, I, I have a saying written on my board. It says discipline is the shortcut. Like we're not. There's no shortcuts here. We're not. We're not going to try and you know slam on the gas and end up going in reverse because we we went too fast. Like we are going to pay attention and make sure that we're doing the right thing for. Jared Kalanick and Julio Rodriguez and Logan Gilbert, and that when they are here, they're here for a long time, and that people get to enjoy them for a long time, because they're really, really, really good. He used the word
2: development a lot in this conversation, for good reason. You know, it's a, We talked to Scott Service here a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about when he came up through the minor league system, it was more like survival of the fittest. <laughs> it's amazing how different it is now, and the approach to develop. I mean, that's the right word, develop, to make players better and, and ultimately it helps
0: your team in the long run i give andy mckay a ton of credit um you know andy's background and mental skills is, is even a huge benefit to our players i think we have one of the most progressive development systems in the league and not just developing the player but developing the person and i i just said it off air the quality of young person that we have around our our organization now in the big leagues and in the minor leagues is as good as I've ever been around. It's just good people. Evan White is a good person. JP Crawford's a good person. Um, they're good teammates. They care about the community. They want to do the right thing. Uh, that's, that's a real positive for the Mariners, for our community, obviously for the organization and for the other players on the field, they all see the example. Marco's another great example of that. You know, so many times, when Logan Gilbert comes and sees what Marco Gonzalez does to get ready to go pitch in the big leagues, that has a huge positive effect that this is the standard that I have to meet in order to be this good in the big leagues. And I think all of our players' work ethic, care factor, uh, uh, love of the community and and want to do the right thing, they all are top of the scale. Um, And that's pretty rare to find with talented players on top of it.
1: You just described... Your young center fielder, Kyle Lewis, the American League rookie of the year, unanimous choice at 262, 11 home runs, 30 something runs batted in. I could still see him robbing Ramon Laureano of the Grand Slam home run going high over the wall in left center field at uh, T Mobile Park uh, during last season toward the end of last year. Uh, you, you mentioned work ethic. I, th- I think Kyle took like maybe two weeks off, <laughs> two weeks off, and went right back to work saying, Okay, I know what I need to do to improve. For next year, after winning the American League Rookie of the Year Award, he's not going to sit on that. And I can't wait to see this young man at spring training and throughout the 2021 season. It's, what does that tell you about, Kyle?
0: I mean, it, it, it tells us that he understands what the standard is and, and you know how much work you have to put in to stay on top because the pitchers are always making adjustments too. And to yeah. stay on top of his game and at the elite level that he showed he can be at last year, he understands that there is no resting on your laurels. And that does not shock me at all that he took two weeks off uh, and then went right back to work. Again, great, great person, great work ethic. The strides he has taken coming off the massive injuries uh, that he had um, and to work his way back to the point he is now. And then I think exceed everyone's expectations last year in terms of how quickly he acclimated to the big leagues and doing it in a way that was you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, was magnificent. Like he just, yeah. you're watching all the tools out on the field. You're watching them. Like slash a hard line drive to right field, rob a home run, steal a base, and hit a ball over the scoreboard all in yeah. <laughs> you know a 24 hour <laughs> yeah. period. There's just not a lot of guys that can do all of that. Uh, his center field play was well above average in my opinion. Like it just he offers so many things to get excited about on a day to day basis. Those are the sort of players I think that that people gravitate to. They you know on top of that one of the best smiles in the league. Exactly. So it's like there's yeah, yeah. there's a magnetism that people like do you know, like <laughs> watching him. Uh, that's it's fun to be around Kalu. And fun to see those kind of tools on display and there's a reason he was talked about as being the first pick in the draft the year that he was drafted and you know when you get hurt when it takes a little while to adjust when you sort of disappear from the national landscape for a while people forget it's not like he didn't have those tools all the time they're just actualizing in a way that is is really fun to watch and maybe a little faster than people expected once he got here it was so much fun to watch kyle
1: last year and everybody else um mature and get ready for this season. Talk about work ethic, uh, you too, uh, Justin Hollander and, <laughs> and Jerry DePoto. So much work in that front office, and I can't wait to see everybody down at spring training and uh, get underway, getting the sun down there in Peoria, Arizona, and warm up. Justin, thanks
0: for coming by. I really appreciate it. I'm excited, too. See you guys. Can't wait.
1: Mariners Assistant General Manager, Justin Hollander, and Vice President of Baseball Operations. We're going to be back with more, a lot more to talk about here on Hot Stove 2021 after this timeout. The stretch and the 2-0 pitch swing and a well-hit ball deep to left field. Profar going back, and this one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Dylan Moore ties it up. Here in the bottom of the eighth inning, it's the Mariners 3, the Padres 3, Dylan Moore's eighth home run of the year. And This is a line shot into the lower deck and left here at Petco Park. Safe friends, baseball is just around the corner, and the best way to catch the action of the Mariners this season is with a 2021 Flex membership. It's the most flexible plan in the game, allowing you to attend the games you want, sit where you want, and spend what you want, all with no deposit required. For more information on how you can become a Flex member, text 21 to 71532. Hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Hot Stove. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill. And right now, Gary, we have a chance to visit with a young man who's really found a home with the Mariners the last couple of years. He was drafted by the Rangers went to the angels organization onto the brewers and now he's a fixture with the Mariners. Ladies and gentlemen, the very talented Dylan Moore. How you doing kid? I'm doing
3: well. How are you guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, it's nice to have you here. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you are right now and how's your off season been?
3: It's been good. I'm in Orlando, Florida, sunny, hot, warm, Orlando, Florida. Um, looking forward to get to Arizona, but right now I'm just hanging with the fam here in, here in Orlando. My off season has been great. I've been working and, um, you know, a little bit smaller groups these days, but uh, it's been it's been fun. I'm ready to go.
2: What are you looking most forward to in this upcoming season?
3: I, I mean, I think I think I speak for everyone when I say that that you know it's time for the Mariners to win. We put we put together a good ball club of uh, some young guys and and like a core group of guys, and now we kind of got to put a full season together. You know, it, it starts. It starts with you know um, the leaders that we have and, and Marco on the pitching side and Kyle Seeger you know teaching us how to play the game right and you know kind of going through those those aches and pains of, of, of a rebuild uh, so, so to speak and um, now it's time to win so I'm looking forward to having a having a solid season with the guys and kind of um, being a little bit selfless and and and, and um, looking forward to to playing together as a team and winning as a team.
1: I thought you had a heck of a year last year, Dylan, after you missed summer camp because of a COVID-19 positive test. Uh, then you got ready for that 2020 season, and then you had to sit out the first uh, four games. You finally got in there in game number five and really had a good year. How did how were you able to get through that and put the, together the season you had last year?
4: Well, I
3: knew with, with you know the work that I had put in the previous offseason uh, combined with what I had learned from my rookie year, 2019, I knew that all I needed was a chance to show that I could be a consistent everyday player. And so, you know, I just kind of waited patiently for my chance and um, you're right. There was a little bit of, you know, a bump in the road in, in summer camp. And then, uh, you know, the first four game series, I wasn't, uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to get in the game, but uh, I knew that, I knew I had to be patient and waited for my opportunity because I knew when it came, I was ready to go. Cause I had worked, uh, you know, I worked my butt off to um, become a better baseball player overall and, and kind of, um, you know just get better at what I wasn't good at the previous season and um, so I just kind of went for it when I uh, got the chance and uh, uh, it ended up working out for me.
2: It's really amazing looking at your year last year. I mean you played everywhere on the infield. You started everywhere on the infield. You started everywhere on the outfield and that was in a shortened season. What do you do to try and stay sharp and be so good at so many different spots seemingly just going from one spot to another without missing a beat? yeah
3: you know it's tough I found a little bit of a pretty good balance in between um, you know get if i can try to get some early work in the outfield and then um do my infield with all the guys or vice versa if i'm playing the outfield um but you know you kind of just gotta you gotta take it day by day and kind of see where you are and see where I'm at in the lineup and then uh kind of go from there because i don't wanna i don't want to overwork myself uh too much in a in a in a shortened season i found maybe i was doing a little bit too much so I kind of backed off and made it Uh, you know, day by day, uh, if I was playing the infield, work more infield, outfield, uh, likewise. So um, over the course of 162 here coming up, I'm ready for, I'm ready for whatever. And, um, you know, I got to strike a good balance to be able to, uh, you know, play uh, day in and day out.
1: Visiting with Mariners uh, infielder, outfielder, Dylan Moore. Dylan, what has Jerry Depoto or Scott Service uh, told you about uh, where you may be getting more at bats this year? Will it be at second base or out in left field or the outfield?
3: Um, I'm not really sure. I think that I'm going into the, into the, into spring training, trying to win a spot. Um, I think that, you know, being pushed by being pushed by uh, uh, players on the same team to win a spot makes us better. And I think that, you know, I'm going in with the mindset that I want to, I don't want to be handed anything. I want to, I want to be, be deserving of the, of the spot that I, that I, um, that I am given. And so I'm just, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go at second. I'm ready to go in the outfield. I'm ready to go wherever. So, um, and that's kind of what's been, made me a valuable player is I can do all of that. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going wherever they want me. To, you know, I'm a baseball player. Where you put me in a lineup, I just want to hit and, and play well. And then, like I said earlier, help, help this Mariner team get on, back on the winning record.
2: Okay, so when you are sitting down in the off season and you're getting ready to make your glove order for the next year, which I assume you've already done, how many gloves do you end up ordering for yourself?
3: Oh, man, I mean, I have to have at least you know i have to have at least two for the infield and at least two for for the outfield kind of depending on on uh you know where i play but uh-huh. um you know i was i was hesitant to get a first baseman's mint this year because you know I, that guy over there is pretty good and, yeah we um, won't be needing a lot of uh you know help over there but um i do have a first baseman and uh, the only thing i probably don't have is thought we'll try and stay out of that realm but um yeah i know i got i got many gloves and i gotta keep track of the ball and <laughs> Just be
2: ready when my name is called. You, you didn't order a catcher mitt just for fun, you know. Why not just throw another one in the bag? <laughs> no, because I
3: think that fun would turn into hey, uh, you know, yeah. we're, we need an emergency <laughs> catcher. Dylan, you're in there, and then you know
1: something bad might really happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you don't, you don't want to go back there. You don't want to go back there. Hey, let's talk about gloves, and in particular, Gold Gloves. You had a Gold Glove winner on your left, and Evan White as a rookie winning the Gold Glove last year and also on your right there's a gold glove winner he won his first gold glove jp crawford at shortstop what's it like playing between those two guys you know when you're out there at second base and and how much have they helped you uh defensively
3: oh man it's awesome it's, it's really awesome those two guys are very deserving of that award i was very happy um you know to see that they, they got those awards you know tremendous work that work ethic they have and um, you know it's awesome the defense is is a huge part of the game that often gets overlooked and i think to have a guy at first base who can pick it, who can throw it, who you know, who can really command that, that part of the field, I think is a big help, especially when we're trying to make plays, you know, that are not routine and the throw may not be, you know, right on the money. Um, we know that we can kind of let it go if it's a close play and, and, you know, it's a game changer. He can pick it out of, you know, out of the sky as, as we've seen and, um, you know, it, it's definitely a game changer and JP, you know, he's, he's, He's come a long way, and you know Bones helped him out a lot. And I, I've seen the changes, and he's 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 done he's done really well. And you know we're all really proud of him, and it's 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 really fun. I think that a lockdown defense, has short, you know all all around, and especially those two guys who you know you know obviously won gold gloves. It's it's very it's it's a big part of the game, and it can, it can save a lot of runs for the pitchers.
2: It's really been fun to watch your development as a hitter, and you had quite a season last year. What do you attribute? Uh, to your development as a hitter, what's been your biggest key? Uh,
3: I'm just trying to keep it simple. I think uh, the biggest thing that I did was um, just uh, there was a little bit of uh, swing and miss in my 2019 campaign. Mm. Um, you know, I was uh, surprised by you know maybe how uh, how sharp you know how 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 quick the pitches were. You know, with the spin rate and everything. And so I kind of just told myself I need to I need to be able to uh, hit the ball with more consistency. Um, uh, because I knew that when I did that in my 2019 campaign, I hit it hard and I was able to hit for extra base hits and home um, but I just wasn't doing it consistently. So I kind of just made my back path a little more direct to the ball and, um, you know, just, just it, it, my, you know, I, I took everything that I, that I learned from my 2019 campaign and, um, you know, I kind of made it, made adjustments along the way and, uh, kind of went from there and, uh with
1: regards to hitting. I remember talking to you last year about the adjustment that you made offensively. And you said you were keeping the barrel of your bat in the hitting zone longer. Now who helped you with that? And what did that allow you to do, Dylan?
3: Yeah, that allowed me to, uh, you know, uh, D Gordon, uh, he's also an Orlando fellow. He he helped me out a lot uh, over the summer and, uh, and last year during the off season. And, you know, he's, he's a contact guy. And I knew I was, I wanted to head more into that direction. And, um, he helped me out a lot. He's a, you know, he's a great leader and a great, great friend and, um, uh, you know, just you want to increase your opportunity for uh, your margin of error, I mean, you know, so staying in the, in the zone longer would help help me kind of ride out some off-speed pitches and also uh, being shorter to the ball will help me get to those uh, 99-mile-an-hour fastballs.
1: Visiting in with Mariner Dylan Moore. Dylan, last year we saw Kyle Lewis win the American League Rookie of the Year Award, a unanimous selection. We saw Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn in that starting rotation. Evan White at first base, uh, we' saw you really come on strong uh, last year. What are you seeing right now in this Mariners organization as far as the young players getting their way to the big leagues?
3: oh man there's just there's so much room for growth. I think that um, we have a good mix of the young guys who are who are hungry and who 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 have gone through the struggles and understand kind of what they need to do and, and in order to to play at this level uh, level and have it have success at this level. And so I see, you know, what I see is a lot of guys who are hungry to learn and hungry to get better. And um, you know, that's a great thing to see. And when they have success, you know, it's deserving. And, you know, you, you, you go through this game long enough to have, you know, you go, obviously it's a game of failure. And so you fail a lot, but to see them succeed and to see all of us kind of succeed together and, and mm-hmm. forming this, this group of guys that, that becomes a team and, and we can move forward together. I think it's, it's really awesome to see. And I'm, I'm very
2: excited. I was recently talking to some of the number guys in the organization and they just gushed about you, what you've been doing. How much do you pay attention to analytics and lean on that stuff and what you do hitting? Besides
3: looking at my, at my own swing, if maybe I see something or, or you know the coaches see something that we should work on uh, on the analytics side of it, I kind of lean towards what, the opposing pitcher will be Mm. will be featuring what he'll be throwing what his tendencies are stuff like that um as far as my numbers i I don't try to get into it too much um and kind of just let those let those fall where they may and obviously you know you can you'll know if there's something you know if your k rate is super high obviously we got to fix that but um when when they dive too deep into the numbers i think that's that's thinking a little bit too much for me, but I will get into um, a lot of the analytics on the pitching side, you know, kind of like maybe their spin rate, you know, if we need to um, get on top of this guy more because, you know, he only throws 90, but he's got a high spin rate. He looks harder, stuff like that. I think that I'm more analytically involved on that side of, of, the, of the ball.
1: Dylan, last year in the 2020 season, <laughs> uh, you guys played a shortened season, 60 games in the midst of a pandemic. The Mariners marketing department really did, I thought, a, a heck of a job. They did their best in a tough situation to create some kind of a, an atmosphere at the ballpark with no fans. You know, you had the faces of the fans on cardboard cutouts and and uh, the crowd noise and everything. What was it like playing all those games with no fans in the stands all of last year?
3: It was definitely interesting. Um, you know, I was I was it was really cool to see every time we came back from a road trip how many how many more uh, cutouts there were in it. It kept the growing and I mean, they almost filled it? the whole thing up. Yeah, I know. It, we almost filled the whole thing up, so I think that was really cool. Um, yeah, with the with the you know the, the say crowd noise, you know, and all that stuff, and I think it allowed uh, another thing. It allowed was there was a couple more cameras put around with different views of the game. I thought there was a couple co- really cool shots. Um, you know, that camera running up and down the left field line, and then the one right behind the dugout that's rolling back and forth. I think that created a new, hmm. you know, it, it, it as consequentially it, with no fans, it created a new kind of. Um, viewpoint for the fan for the fans at home and i thought that was really cool um yeah I that was that was a pretty cool pretty cool feature.
1: absolutely what would you like to tell the fans about this year's ball club coming up
3: oh man i mean uh i hope, hope to have them back as soon as possible obviously you yeah. want it to be safe and healthy for everyone uh obviously but um man i'm excited i'm, I'm really excited to just kind of show what we got i think this town deserves deserves uh more of a winning culture and i hope that we can I'm, I'm confident that we can we can bring that back to them and um you know they're very loyal fans and you know it's a it's a it's kind of the only place uh up there you know that's it's we're kind of far away from everything but so those guys are pretty loyal and uh you know we want to give them a good ball club and and uh a lot of wins and exciting baseball so that you know they want to come want to come back to the to the ballpark but um yeah i would just say you know everyone stay healthy and Um, stay safe and we'll see you when we see you and then hopefully we can we can uh we turn this thing around
1: absolutely i can't wait to see fans in the stands and i can't wait to see uh dylan moore uh, back in a mariners uniform in the 2021 season kid thanks a lot for joining us here on hot stove buddy
3: yeah thanks for having me appreciate
1: it you're welcome mariners infielder and outfielder dylan moore more continues on hot stove 2021 I'm Rick Riz along with Gary Hill. We'll be back right after this timeout. All right, Hot Stove continues, and at this time we have a chance to visit with Mariners Director of International Amateur Scouting, Frankie Thon, Jr. Frankie, we've got a lot to talk about with the Mariners signing eight players, seven kids from Venezuela, one from the Dominican Republic. But before we get started, Frankie, why don't you tell the fans a little bit about yourself? Your dad was a major league scout. You're also the nephew of former major league shortstop Dickie Thon, an outstanding shortstop. So where did you grow up and how in the world did you get started in this wonderful business of baseball? Uh, Thank
4: you guys for inviting me. And uh, no, I grew up in Puerto Rico and I had the privilege of growing up in a home where basically baseball is a way of life. Uh, My dad, as you said, was an amateur scout in the spring. He was also a minor league coach in the summer. And then in the winter, he'd be the GM at the end of the year in Winter League. So my brother and I was a different upbringing. Instead of playing travel ball in the summer or going on vacation during Christmas, uh, we'd be shagging balls with, like, Carlos Guillen in the backfield of a rookie complex. And then, uh, again, we'd, we'd spend Christmas or New Year's with a couple of top prospects or big leaders. So it was baseball 24-7, so you couldn't help but soak it all in. And it kind of shaped my way of thinking and set kind of the foundation of whatever baseball field I have right now in spite of not playing was because of that upbringing.
2: I think it's so fitting that we're talking to you while you're at an airport, uh, <laughs> given your job. <laughs> Describe what what your role is like and uh, exactly what you do. Uh, just like any other
4: scout, we try to make as informal a decision as possible, in spite of the fact that you're evaluating basically the most inconsistent, I'd say probably like riskiest, the most volatile portion of the amateur market. Uh, what we do as a department is we try to be as creative as possible and, and setting up as difficult as it is, some sort of apples to apples comparison, knowing that you're facing the roadblocks of comparing 15, 16, 17 year olds from across different countries who are facing different levels of competition. But having said that, you know, we feel like we've set up some systems where we're confident in and uh, kind of go beyond evaluating a player off the naked eye, which is still a huge part of what we do. And we basically have 20 scouts across uh, different countries in Asia. We have in Japan and Taiwan and then Latin America. We have the Dominican Republic, Panama, Colombia, Venezuela, and Brazil. And we also bounce around Mexico, Aruba, Curacao, and Nicaragua. So basically all over Latin America, all over the world, really.
2: How much time do you spend on the road?
4: It really depends on the time of year, just like the draft where you have, uh, it's cyclical and you have your ups and downs. It's not quite as predictable as the draft. So obviously because of the system that's in place, it's it's more of an auction system than an actual draft. So depending on on what you've done with your budget, and depending on the events that are going on, it, it kind of ebbs and flows.
1: Frankie, you know, here in the States, you know, scouting a high school kid or a college kid, you got all kinds of video and, and scouting reports and, and word of mouth from everybody that has a chance to watch these kids. How much information do you have on a 16-year-old kid in a Latin American country as far as stats, scouting reports, and, and videos to sign these kids?
4: Yeah, that's where that's what that's what I was alluding to when you say kind of getting creative. Uh, you put a process and system in place in terms of okay, what can we do to kind of replicate or um, replicate whatever you would be doing in the draft, right? You can't do exactly what you can't rely on the same statistical data that you have in the draft. The same time of history. Uh, there's times where the international market moves pretty quickly, and so. You find different ways, and 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 that means in terms of uh, athletic measurables that you're doing, instead of in terms of data that you're getting uh, through different avenues. So you combine that with the actual kind of pure raw evaluation of the scouts, and you combine that and come up with uh, your best estimation as to again uh, the riskiest and most unknown part of the amateur world, but uh, as best you can and. and you know, it's almost like an oxymoron saying an informed decision on a 15-year-old um, because we know not just physically but what they're going to go through emotionally, mentally, and, and once they get on campus. But uh, try to make the most informed decision possible.
2: Well, give us a bit of a thumbnail. We just had uh, celebrated International Signing Day, which uh, is always a big day for the organization. Give us a thumbnail of your thoughts on some of the signings.
4: Yeah, it might as well be kind of like National inter- International Day of Joy, really, because I think when you when you think about it, yeah, and 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 really, honestly, not to take away from the happiness and the joy that goes on during the amateur draft in the states, but um, just like anything else, it is our international crosschecker Kevin Fox was mentioning this morning. He goes, you know, you you want to. You want to talk about having perspective and gaining a different feel for for what you have and what you already have at home. You know, go step in the shoes of these kids and where they come from and, and the background and what they had to overcome. And that's why we call it kind of the International Day of Joy, just because of when you're when you get to these countries and you're you're no longer in touristy places and you kind of ingrain yourself in that culture, and you kind of step in their shoes and you see what they have to overcome. It, it really uh, it kind of tugs at the heart and, and it gives it a different meaning
1: what's the reaction of uh, mom and dad when their kid gets uh signed to a professional contract frankie
4: you know it goes beyond the pride that you're going to see obviously at whatever level people sign and wherever they sign whether it's international or the states it goes beyond that because a lot of the times not every single time and i don't want to put a percentage on it but a lot of the times this is sort of the they put all their eggs in one basket in terms of kind of overcoming their their home background but let's put it that way and so it's a sense of relief it's a sense of pride it's a combination of a lot of feelings and when you watch it it's it never gets old really
1: visiting with frankie thon jr mariners director of international amateur scouting here on uh, hot stove frankie of the eight kids that you signed seven were from venezuela just one from the dominican republic can you tell us why there were so many from venezuela available at this time
4: yeah it's not necessarily a philosophy that we have i think it's Kind of cyclical, and it goes uh, again. It ebbs and flows, and there's years where you're, where you're going to have uh, the majority of being from the DR. You're going to have some years where it's half and half. And, and really, in my in my happy place, like we become the United Nations, and we have one player from each country that I mentioned a while ago. But uh, that rarely happens. It just so happened that uh, the timing of it, where we were, and the players that we liked, just happened to line up. That it was Venezuela, but uh, by no means was it sort of a philosophy that we have internally.
2: What are some of the names from this group that fans should be aware of?
4: Yeah, I think the probably the biggest name is Starling Aguilar. He's a left-handed hitting infielder from the DR. Uh, he's been on social media and some of the lists. Um, he's probably going to end up at third base. He's got a quick, whippy bat and, and really advanced field at the plate. He's not the type of athlete we would usually go for, but the offensive potential is so big that it, we thought it was warranted. Um, making that kind of investment. And, and so he's, he's kind of the more famous name. He gets comped a lot to Rafael Devers. And, you know, we do it a lot internally, too, in our on in our reports. But I think it's quite unfair to, you know, expect a 15- or 16-year-old to, you know, have – Uh, you know, the same career path as X player Uh, There are some similarities, but but again, kind of let the kid have his own career. We'll see what it turns out into. The other one I'd probably talk about would be Gabriel Gonzalez. He's a right-handed hitting outfielder from Venezuela. He's actually a little bit of an underrated player. He was not on any of the top 30 lists. Uh, He was not seen a whole lot in the kind of the the trail, right, the scouting trail. But internally, again, the systems that we have and, 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 again, kind of getting creative with what we measure, he ended up kind of lining up as one of our top fifteen players for the entire uh, for the entire international class. Obviously, other teams might not feel that same way, but uh, he's a right hand hitting outfielder with a ton of power, like a uh, ton of torque and kind of fury behind his swing. But he's got feel for it too. Not a whole lot of swing and miss, and above our average athlete and really really physical. Kind of looks like a like a Cespedes type of, of body. And wow. we'll see if he goes too big and kind of grows center field. But the combination, just a really good overall player with no real holes to his game, and, and a lot of upside, especially if he stays in center field. But even on the corner, probably an everyday player.
2: What do you like most about what you do?
4: I think when you can be a part of, when you when you can be a part of allowing somebody to reach their dreams or to reach one of their dreams, I think that's the most rewarding thing you can you can be a part of. And obviously, like we said, it's not just signing day, but seeing them kind of. They become, they almost become your kid, right? More so than in the amateur draft, because again, you're dealing with them when they're fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, yeah. and when they come on campus, and and the relationships there and the the personal connection is uh, is way more prevalent than it is in the draft. So again, being part of that whole path, it's extremely rewarding.
1: Now you bring up a good point, Frankie, because I remember when the Mariners signed felix hernandez at 16 they were watching felix when he was 14 years old and they kind of camped out near his house and they created that relationship and bond and trust with his parents and when it came down to signing day felix and his parents chose the mariners over i think the braves maybe even the red Sox or yankees teams that maybe offered more money because they trusted the mariner scouts down there and they had that relationship what is the competition like for some of the top young players in latin american countries
4: yeah, that's the difference there between the international side and the draft. As we mentioned, obviously, the draft, you're assigned a, a specific slot, right? And and you know where you're going to pick, whereas on the international side, you're given a budget, and it's one thing to identify the talent. It's another thing to acquire the talent. There's a big gap between one and the other. And that's where, uh, sure, I mean, I, I think uh, more than 50% of the time, because of an auction, the highest bidder wins. But especially in these type of cases, like you mentioned, Felix Hernandez, where you're, you're – dealing with potentially special talent that's where the relationship building part of it the reputation on the road as a club or, or specific Scouts that's where that's where the Scouts really earn their money really it's not so much the identifying the talent is that kind of relationship uh, that leads to a player a player or an agent picking one team over the other
1: Frankie I tell you what you're doing an amazing job for this organization uh, in Venezuela the Dominican Republic Panama and uh, other other Uh, parts of the globe looking for talent diamonds in the rough to get to the big leagues and it's really something taking a look at 16 17 year old kids to sign them and and get them in an organization to start playing baseball and reach their dreams and goals of playing in the big leagues one day so i applaud you uh congratulations on uh signing these eight kids and i can't wait to watch their progression in the minor leagues with the mariners and hopefully one day we'll hopefully one day we'll see them all in the big leagues frankie wouldn't that be something
4: no, I appreciate those words, and obviously we try our best. It takes usually takes a, a little while longer to see how it all turns out with these yeah. players, unless they're you know kind of generational type talents that, that kind of breeze through the minor league system. But yeah, we kind of do our part and 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 hopefully do what we can to help the organization. And then obviously it's up to I think you hand them off to player development and HP and everybody else in the organization. And the way we're we're working kind of hand in hand is great. And, and you know we leave them in great hands. So we'll see what happens.
1: Frankie, congratulations. I know you just got off a flight uh, from the Dominican Republic, and uh, hopefully we'll visit uh, real soon down the road. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the time. You're welcome. Frankie Thon, Jr., the Mariners Director of International Amateur Scouting, uh, signing eight kids, seven from Venezuela, one from the Dominican Republic. We'll be back with more as Hot Stove continues. After these messages. And again, welcome back to Hot Stove 2021. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill. And this reminder, the Virtual Mariners Community Tour presented by Root Sports wraps up this Wednesday at 5 o'clock. Be sure to tune in into a public live view stream with yours truly, Rick Riz, along with Evan White and Dylan Moore as we pay a visit to fans up in Alaska, Idaho, and Montana. For more information, visit mariners.com slash community tour. Well, right now, Gary, we're going to go out to Houston, Texas, and visit with our dear friend and one of the great radio broadcasters in the American league, Steve Sparks, the voice. Oh,
5: on- back the- out to Houston, Rick.
1: <laughs> Steve Sparks, the uh, play-by-play voice on radio for the Houston Astros. How you doing, buddy? Getting through uh, the off season, getting ready for spring training.
5: Yeah, definitely getting ready for spring training. Can't wait to get out there and and call some games, watch some baseball. Uh, it seemed like uh, we were almost in a daze last year, that 60 games felt like it went by in about two weeks rather than two months, but uh, can't wait for a full season. You know, hopefully that everybody knows what to expect as far as the protocols go. Uh, maybe hopefully, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed that things might even open up as far as our access to some of the players uh, further down the road, but man, I can't wait for baseball.
2: It's good to see you. You know, last year, during a normal season, it seems like we run across each other like 50 times a year. And right. then I know Steve Sparks last year. It was no sad. Steve
5: Sparks, yeah. Uh, that's what we've uh, learned to love, right, it is especially within our division. You know, we see the Rangers. We see you guys and the Angels and the A's so often that we become, become very good friends with all of you guys. And it feels like a fraternity, a fraternity of some sort. So we've enjoyed those relationships. We rely on each other, you know, and... You know, for me, a lot of times uh, to be able to talk to like a Mark Langston or a Mike Blowers and, and, and talk baseball and, and uh, being able to speak the same language sometimes. I feel like whenever I talk to Mike Blowers, I can get about four innings worth of information in 10 seconds from him. So uh, it's great. You know, he's a, he's a man of a few words, but man, they're really impactful for me.
1: I love going to Houston because uh, they're at Minute Maid Park. We've got uh, our radio booth right next to yours. Yeah, you and I are separated by a thin piece of glass.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it's like a drive-through window at Wendy's. Exactly.
1: Uh, exactly. We've all done that the last uh, eight, ten months. But uh, exactly.
5: So, but you know what? I mean that uh, that makes for some interesting uh, conversations that we're able to have during the course of a game in between innings when we're able to get a bet, maybe just a, a nugget or two about a relief pitcher that we've never heard of who comes yeah. into the game to make his debut and uh, come to find out he was a substitute teacher in Alaska in the offseason <laughs> or something like that that uh, we get to expand upon.
1: Exactly. We could jot a note down on a piece of paper. I put it up on the window. There you, you go. A little bit about Houston Astros. You guys are going to have a different look. Uh, what is the status of Justin Verlander? One start last year. That was against us. Tommy John surgery and what's like to be like without really one of the better players in in baseball and George Springer signing a big contract as a free agent with the Toronto blue Jays.
5: Right. Well, they knew those days were coming and truth be told, Rick, uh, a couple of years ago when they extended Altuve and they extended Alex Bregman, we knew they weren't going to be able to keep all four of those guys together when I, when you lump in George Springer and Carlos Correa. So uh, three out of four, you'd hope you cross your fingers. Uh, four out of four was just seem uh, out of the realm, but uh, they have extended two of them. So Altuve and, and Bregman are long-term uh, Springer got away. You know, they, they made uh, throughout the years, you know, the last four or five years, we'd heard rumors that they tried to uh, to tease him a little bit and, and try to get him on board to sign something long-term and maybe take him out of a couple of years of, of arbitration and free agency, but just weren't able to come to terms And uh, I don't think there was any hard feelings from either side. But uh, uh, when you talk about Astros fans and and somebody who they really came to love as far as uh, personality, what he was able to do in the community, uh, you guys are probably well aware that he stutters and and, and all he's done in the the community for that uh, advancement. And then what he was able to do in the field, particularly in in the postseason, he was a big game player. Uh, So they'll miss him Verlander. He's a hall of famer. You'll miss him. He's at the top, but uh, what the Astros did, and it was very short and they eat their way into the playoffs last year with a record, two games below 500, but they were able to turn on that switch. I I didn't think they were going to be able to, they looked dead in the water the last week of the season, but they flipped that switch, man. And something came on. And and we saw a lot of, a lot of those guys uh, come up big again and uh, they're used to it you know they've a lot of these players have played close to 60 games in the playoffs now in their young career so uh, they've got a lot of experience in in big moments and they they seem to thrive in those Uh, there's a lot of young guys there was 10 pitchers last year uh, Gary and Rick as you guys well know that made their major league debuts for the Astros that's just pitchers 10 pitchers made their debuts last year and there's a few of those that really shined uh, Andre scrub, Blake Taylor, a lefty uh, Brooks Raley came over for uh, spending four years in Korea. Uh, so they, they've got some shining spots in the bullpen. Uh, their rotation is thin coming into this year. And Gary and I have spoken about this in, in the last week, feel like a lot of teams are going to need a lot of starting pitching to get through 162 games after playing hundred games less last year. So, We'll have to see how creative they get. I know Seattle got creative last year with the six-man rotation and are probably going to do the same this year. I think a lot of other teams need to adopt that too.
2: Where do you see the Astros going into this season? And Obviously, things can change. I mean, there's still some guys out there to, to bring aboard. But where do you right. see the Astros as we sit right now in terms of the division? Well, I expect,
5: I expect uh, Bregman to, to play better, to hit a lot better. Uh, he had a, a bad year offensively. Last season, so did Altuve and whether or not it was uh, their mental state uh, coming off of the cheating scandal stuff, uh, I- I'm not exactly sure. Both guys are notoriously slow starters. So when you really think about it, that's basically first two months of the season, the first third of the season, you may attribute it uh, to partly just being slow starters. But I seem to think more of the former that I think they were affected a little bit more about what happened in the off season. Uh, You get Jordan Alvarez back two years ago. He was the rookie of the year and he's a big impactful bat. I thought the signing guys of Michael Brantley coming back to this team with all that's going on uh, within the organization gives them a lot of street credibility to anybody else who might sign within this organization in the years to come, just because of his reputation, the way he goes about his business and for him to say, yeah, I want to be part of this. Uh, I think uh, is very helpful to this organization. We'll just leave it at that, that uh, somebody of his stature was uh, willing to come back on board.
2: What's your view on the Mariners heading into this season?
5: The Mariners remind me of where the Astros were in 2014, maybe a year away from being contenders for the playoffs, maybe a surprise team, maybe a year early. I mean, the Astros did it a year early in 2015, before I think a lot of people predicted them to be able to sneak into the playoffs and almost got by Kansas City after beating the Yankees in the wild card that year. So they, they were a year ahead of a time. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if the, the Mariners were able to do that. I'm not sure if they, if they really have enough top end pitching to, to be able to, to get over that hurdle or not. I still think Sheffield and Dunn still have some development to go. I love Marco Gonzalez. I think he's one of the best pitchers in the American league. Uh, and then we'll just set, have to see what you say does. I mean, we're, we're still waiting to see if he can uh, kind of clear that American hurdle right now for whatever reason. It, nothing's really translated to what they uh, feel like they'd hope. Flexing, I'm not really sure on. We'll have to see. But I love what they've done in the bullpen. I think the, the back end of the bullpen with Montero back there now, you get Graveman fully healthy. I think it's solid uh, back there, you know, coming off a rough season they had in the bullpen. If they can keep those guys healthy, those four or five that they're really going to count on, I think they're going to be tough. I think Evan White uh, will be better, uh, and I think it's probably going to be a a climb for him uh, to figure some things out offensively. But man, I think Kyle Lewis is a superstar. If not already, I think uh, he's... He's going to show this year that uh, he's a force to be reckoned with in this entire division. And the sleeper for me out of all these guys, I knew Seeger had a great year Crawford Murph getting Murphy back is huge. But for me, man, Dylan Moore is, is just, he was like Marvin Gonzalez was for the Astros a few years ago, where you're able to, to pencil him in anywhere you need to, to, to give a guy a rest and you don't really drop off at all defensively. And offensively, man, he's going to give you a spark every single time. I think he's a great player.
1: Spark, it's always great to get to spring training and see the kids uh, get a chance to play yeah. and try to find that diamond in the rough. I remember in 1989, there was this kid that had a pretty good year out in center field, wasn't going to make the ball club, was it? He- <laughs> I
4: made-
5: remember it well. I remember being in spring training and watching him on the minor league side. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were on a field maybe just adjacent to where Junior was playing, and uh, whenever he was coming to bat, you know, if we weren't in the game, we were walking over toward that other field just to get a chance to watch him. So man, what a what a thrill that was for myself to to get a chance to compete against a, a player of his caliber, man. That was that was something else. And I know you guys are grateful that you got to
1: watch his entire career. Exactly. That's what I love about this game. We find diamonds in the yeah. room. Sparky, you're a diamond in the rough. Steve, Sparks, <laughs> always a pleasure, buddy. You always put a smile on our face. It's always great to see you when you come here and we go to Houston. We wish you the best of luck. Stay healthy, and uh, we'll see you real soon, hopefully. I appreciate it, guys. Stay safe, man. All right. The play-by-play voice of the Houston Astros, our good friend, Steve Sparks, and we'll be back as Hot Stove continues after this. Well, Hot Stove 2021 continues. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill, and right now we have a chance to visit with uh, – a young lady who helps us out uh, every day during the course of the baseball season at spring training. Uh, Shannon Drea does a tremendous job for our flagship station. Uh, but before we get to Shannon, this reminder, the Mariners have teamed up with Bloodworks Northwest to host another pop-up blood drive at T-Mobile Park this month. Sign up today to donate blood and help save lives in our region. Plus, if you do, you'll receive a Kyle Seeger bobblehead thanks to Root Sports. Visit bloodworksnorthwest.org slash donate to make and appointment well shannon dreher we have an appointment to get down to peoria arizona get ready for spring training 2021 thanks for joining us here in hot stove uh, this evening when you plan on heading down to peoria
6: looks like i'm gonna head down right before the start of games so i'll let everybody else get everything all figured out and how it's gonna work and i will show up when things are definitely happening
2: that's a good plan Yeah, I like that that's well thought out <laughs> On the show last week, for the first time, we took an audio question. We're gonna do that again today. Now, I have to, we've answered this question already, but for for your benefit, Shannon and Rick, you have to hear the question that we had last week, because it, it's okay. great. This is from Charlie Brown, our first audio question last week. Hello, Charlie Brown here, calling all the way from London, England, with my question.
5: We were all over the moon last year to get any sort of baseball, but one of the big sadnesses, of course, was not having any minor league play and all the fun of hearing about who's coming up for the system and looking like the stars of the future. Now, we all know about exciting lads like Jared, j Rod, and Emerson, but who would you say are the lesser-known names that we should look out for who have some real potential to break out this year? Cheers and all the best from us international fans in faraway time zones who can't wait to be cheering on our beloved M's
6: at silly o'clock in the morning.
2: Go Mariners!
6: I mean, Good grief.
2: <laughs> we started a new segment and that was the very first thing we got. Wasn't that the greatest?
6: Yeah. Gary, I'm not going to lie. I didn't even hear the question because I was just taking in the voice and, and the meter yeah. and everything else. And and I'm also very curious, how are we going to use him during the season? Don't I've, just let yeah. that go. That's not that's I've not a in, one and done.
2: I've already been in contact. Yeah. <laughs> of course you happen. have. I'm not sure what it is yet, but that voice will be on our air again. So, yeah. Don't worry about that. So, well, we have a question this week. And by the way, our winners uh, get a sweet Mariners prize back, too. So this will be our winner this week. And this is the question we're going to talk things over. Here, Here's Tim Goff. Shannon
3: and Rick, this is Tim Goff from the Palm Springs of Washington. My question is about the position of greatest continuity and stability in Mariner history, left field. Who is the M's opening day left fielder this upcoming season?
2: That's a very good question yeah. and a funny way to Check put in it. Cheek. Yeah.
6: I, I knew where he was going the minute he said continuity. Uh, I guess we could work backwards from that. I will say that I think the uh, left fielder on the final day of the season will be Jared Kelnick. Nice. Um, and I will say that I'm a little bit surprised that at on this date, that it is not somebody who was not in the organization last year. I thought that was somewhere that they would add and they could still add. I am going to go out on a limb and say Dylan Moore. Mm -hmm. And I know he's supposed to be at second base, but I think they might get creative. I think when it is all said and done and they get down there and they have the 28 games in the Cactus League and they start playing with lineups and where you can put people, I almost think that somehow you're going to see Dylan Moore in left field.
1: Uh, I, I think Dylan is going to get most of his playing time at second base. I really do. He's a great athlete. He can make that long throw from the outfield with the defensive shift. Uh, you know, he did a great job in the outfield made some great catches, but the one kid that I'm really rooting for, and I'd love to see Jared Kelnick, you know, be that guy sometime in the near future. I don't know if it's going to be at the end of spring training is Jake Fraley. This kid has worked so hard over the last couple of years. Um, uh, uh, very athletic kid and uh, can hit the ball with power. And I just want to, I would love to see this kid get an opportunity, but he's got to make his opportunity right now because he's been around for a little while, but I would love to see Jake Fraley get out there in left field and, and see some
2: playing time. I'd love to see what he could do.
6: I think this is a really important spring for Jake Fraley.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you start to look out of the outfield, it gets pretty crowded pretty quickly. Trammell and Kelnick, some of the names we've been talking about. And you know, we were ta- just what? talking to Justin Hollander about that and, you know, he had talked about Dylan Moore getting an opportunity to play. And as this thing moves forward, those opportunities are going to be harder to come by. Just, you know, when you add more and more talent to a 40 man, you don't have as much room to give players opportunities.
1: Yeah.
2: It'd be interesting to see uh shed long junior,
1: you know, how he works in there coming back from the surgery with his leg. Uh, Does he play second base again? I'm sure he will, if he gets in there and in the outfield. So, they have some options.
2: You know, it's funny. My, I thought I was going to be sneaky, Shannon, and say Dylan Moore starting in left field, but you <laughs> beat me to the punch because you know Shed Long Jr. is a player we have not talked about a ton this winter that we were talking about a lot in the previous winter, and he played through some injuries last year. And he's, I think, he's going to get an opportunity at some point this season to play, um, play consistently, and we'll see how it works out for him with uh, another crack at things.
6: I think there's no question about that. I think that when I said that Jake Fraley needs, I think there are a lot of players that need to have a good spring training, either to make the club or to show that they will be ready shortly. And and I think it's a very important spring in that regard. Shed didn't have a good spring last year. He didn't have a good showing when he was up, but we found out he was injured. So I think there are a lot of questions right now as to, you know, how much of that was because of that injury. And I think for Shed, if he doesn't have that great spring training, I think you want him to get his legs under him. You want, he needs to, he's kind of separated from success at the plate. They liked what he did defensively. He took steps forward that last, last year. But I think you really want to get that bat going before you put him back in there.
1: And it's really going to get crowded over the next few years with the arrival of Kelnick and also Julio Rodriguez. So Mariners are going to have some pretty good options here in the
2: near future. And for this year, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage the roster in that respect. Now that we know it's going to be 26 man during the course of the regular season, expanded to 28 in September. And with a six man rotation, it's going to be interesting to see the interplay between the rotation How many guys on the bench? I mean, Shannon, how do you look at that? How do you think the roster is going to be managed during the course? I I,
6: I think there was an important ruling that came down today because originally when they went to the 26-man roster, it was going to be split evenly between position players and pitchers. And that, to me, uh, is what I wanted to see because I think you ask any manager, you get another player, it's going to be a pitcher. And and I think that the idea in adding the player, a big part of that idea is to get some more speed into the game, get some more offense into the game. Um, So that would have been problematic, I think, for the Mariners this year going with a six man rotation would have meant they would have had to go with a seven man pen and they've traditionally gone with an eight man pen even with a five man rotation. So it came down today that they're just getting rid of that rule. You can have how many ever you want of anybody. So I'm going to guess that they're going to go with eight in the pen again, which means you're looking at a three man bench. One of those is the catcher. You got big competition for those two spots.
2: Yeah. Cause they're going to have to play all over the place. I guess it helps to have a guy like Dylan Moore, who's mm-hmm. going to be in your starting lineup, but a guy you can obviously throw anywhere.
1: Yeah, Shannon. Uh, this spring obviously is still going to be different. Uh, you know, as far as getting to the players, uh, have you thought about? You do such a great job with interviews. How to get to these guys and do your pregame interviews? Uh, you know, throughout the course of the spring.
6: I have, and they're still coming down with how exactly that is going to be handled. And I've heard some things here and there, and I'm I'm optimistic that we'll be able to to get a little bit beyond the Zoom, which. I'm not going to totally, at the Zoom, there were some good things about the Zoom and that I think that um, some really surprisingly in-depth conversations that we had, it's, it's different. Anytime you put an interview subject in a different setting, things change regardless. And, and I think that there, there were some good aspects of that, but you really do need to get in front of them. And, and you both know that the biggest thing that you need is you need that opportunity just to talk to them. And, uh, you know, I don't care if it's 10 feet, 12 feet, 15 feet, or if I'm shouting at them from 20 feet away, (laughs) it would be good to have that opportunity. And so I think there are a few different things that are on the table, which means we're kind of looking at different equipment to use and and whatnot. But, But I'm hopeful that we will be able to do a little bit more, although I can't say enough about the Mariners media relations staff and how they set up everything last year, the access that we had to talk to people on zoom every day. I'm not just talking about the, you know, the big scrum interviews, but the one-on-one had some great conversations last year. And if that's what we need to do to keep everybody safe, I'm good with that, but I'm hopeful that there's a little bit more.
2: I like that Evie shouting 20 feet away at people <laughs> and just watching like you're third base shouting yeah. into the dugout. I think that's it's a, a
6: challenge thing. in a mask. I'm like doing some like breathing <laughs> exercises and projection and everything else, because I typically am kind of quiet and that's not going to play through the mask if we get that opportunity. So I'm thinking about everything right now. Megaphone. Yeah.
1: It's good. <laughs> so, you know, what, what are the big stories uh, going into the spring of this year for you?
6: Uh, Wow. Um, You know, we are looking at another development season, and I think the key, and I wrote this on 710sports.com, if they are to get to where they want to be at the end of next season, of this season, uh, they are going to need these young players or vast majority of them to be what they want them to be right now. There's not going to be a lot of time to get your legs under you and and to develop. They're going to need to have some wins early on in the season to put themselves in position to make some moves at the deadline. And one thing that they've done that I think is going to help that is they've added a pen You might not know all the names, but they have added a pen that can do some things and that should be markedly better than what we saw last year. So the bullpen is going to be a a big story. And then all these young guys, what do they look like? Um, Some didn't weren't able to play in games last year. Obviously, Kelnick's going to be a huge story down in spring training. Uh, Cal Raleigh, I think, is going to be an interesting one to watch. And talking with Scott Service, it almost seems like they're hoping to see him sooner than later. And catchers are always interesting, so it'll be interesting to watch that progression. And then the young starters that we saw last year, I loved what they did in the steps that they took forward. Did they keep going with that? Uh, There are a lot of different things to watch. And Kendall Graveman as a reliever. You know, what does he look like there? What does he turn into there? So many things to watch.
1: So there's going to be a lot of great stories. Once we get down to Peoria, Arizona, I, I love the additions of Rafael Montero coming over from the Rangers in a trade. Keenan Middleton is a free agent who was with the angels the last four years. So a lot of new faces as long along with the kids uh, coming up as well. So it's going to be, I think, an interesting spring with a lot of great stories. Shannon, thanks a lot for the visit. We'll see you down in Peoria real soon.
6: Can't wait guys.
1: Shannon Dreyer as hot stove 2021 continues right after these messages well the mariners team store is ready to help outfit you for the 2021 season at any of their four convenient locations or if you prefer you can also place an order by emailing mariners team store at mariners.com to arrange delivery or curbside pickup For more information and hours, visit mariners.com slash team store. Rick Riz along with Gary Hill. And Gary, time to put a bow on another great edition of Hot Stove. We had a chance to visit with assistant GM Justin Hollander. Chance to visit with Dylan Moore and Frankie Thon Jr., the Mariners Director of International Amateur Scouting. Great uh, recap on some of the kids that they just signed. And I mean kids, 16-, 17-year-old kids out of Venezuela and the Dominican Republic and also recent... Visit here over the last few minutes with our very own Shannon Dreher. So uh, we're getting closer, buddy, to the yeah, was, 2021 season.
2: It's a good show. I felt like we learned a lot. We really did. I I was happy. I'm disappointed that Dylan does not order a catcher's mitt. <laughs> I, I was disappointed to find, you know. He's ordering gloves for every other position. You know, why not just throw in an order for a catcher's mitt? But I, yeah. I guess I understand his point. If you start to carry one around, you might be asked to use it. So I guess that makes sense. No, that's a good idea. How big is his Tom bag? Tom Murphy will Does take care like of two that. Bags? Is he I mean, you know. Yeah. I remember looking in Mark McLemore's
1: locker <laughs> when he was here. And Mac was the jack of all trades. He did the same thing back in 2001. He played every day but all over the place third base shortstop first base the outfield second base and he plays all positions very well and that's what Dylan Moore does and um, I tell you what I love this kid because he's so athletic Mm -hmm. and very good and and
2: Gary, we got a lot to look forward to here in the next few days when uh, spring training gets underway. Yeah, he's one of the guys too I'm really excited to watch see uh, watch this year. He's he's really blossomed, really had a nice year last year and it'll be ni- it'll be very interesting to see how he progresses here in a full yeah. season. I, he's one of the guys that I'm really excited about this year. Also fun talking with Frankie
1: Thon Jr. Yeah. Director of Scouting, International it's, Amateur Scouting, and
2: you know, how do you take a look? It's a wild world, man. At, at a
1: 16-year-old kid, <laughs> and project them to be in the major leagues one day. It's a lot of fun, a lot of work. Yeah, that's, it's the,
2: the, that's the trick, and the job seems impossible to me. And all the different places that that they go, and they're on the road all the time. Yeah. And uh, it's it's amazing work that they do, and the amount of kids hmm. that they see along the way. It's its impressive. And uh, Congratulations. I know the signing day is, it, it's funny, they have the signing day and then they're off to the next year. It's like there's it no break at all, but <laughs> yeah. I hope at least they get a few minutes yeah. to kind of celebrate and feel good about what is a
1: big day for the organization. Yeah, the scouts uh, are the, the lifeblood of any major league organization, scouting kids, high school kids, college kids here in the States, and also 16, 17-year-old kids in the Latin American countries. It's uh, it's really uh, an interesting undertaking, and these guys do it so very well. So, yeah. Gary, we'll see you down at uh, Peoria. Arizona. Absolutely.
2: Next time I see you, we'll be in the sun. So, that'll, that'll be, be nice. good.
1: All right. That wraps it up. Uh, Hot Stove 2021 for uh, this edition. More is coming your way next week, and we'll see you then. So long, everybody.